Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Martha Lucas. I am a practitioner of Chinese medicine, also known as an acupuncturist in Denver, Colorado. And this is my first podcast on psychological resilience. Today's topic is going to be cultivating self-compassion. This is going to be about offering yourself kindness and support, not ignoring your emotional pain, and relating to yourself in a kind, friendly manner. I am a research psychologist. That was my first training. And I have always, of course, then been interested in our psyches, our emotions. And even in Chinese medicine, I have for more than 20 years been treating people's emotional states. I've treated many, many people with depression, anxiety, the results of trauma, because according to the masters of Chinese medicine, emotional trauma is the cause of all physical disease. And that's because of the way trauma blocks our energy from flowing, blocks our energy from getting to our organ systems, etc. So it is a very, very, very common treatment in Chinese medicine to treat people who have emotional conditions. Now, with regard to what we are experiencing right now emotionally, this crisis of the coronavirus, COVID-19, is being called a marathon by people. It's not like sometimes other traumas we have experienced, like the loss of a loved one. Those kinds of traumas have an end. The event happens, we go through the busyness of making all the arrangements, seeing our family members, our adrenaline is running all that. And then as it it's over, the ceremonies are over, the family members leave, we start to feel the, the overwhelm of the true grieving. And that just starts over time. But as I said, this crisis is not normal. It's a marathon. It doesn't seem to have an end in a lot of ways, or at least the end is ambiguous. How are we to know when all of this is going to happen, when we're going to get our jobs back, when we can go out in public again. All of those are questions. So we have to figure out how we can focus day to day, how we can get ourselves into the daily mindset of what is going to happen here. Because every day the news is different, as you know. Speaking of the news, I'm limiting myself to one news piece a day. No more listening to CNN or listening to CPR. I'm in Colorado. I want to find one trusted source of the news and listen once a day. I also want to listen to calm spreaders, people who are spreading calm, not the fear mongers in the world. I don't listen to anything political because right now that's a little more in the fear-mongering side than the calm-spreading side. So you also need to figure this out for yourselves. And the other part of it is there's a lot of fear and scarcity, right? We all have fear, fear of the unknown, fear of how long this is going to go on. And then the scarcity, right? That's the whole toilet paper thing. Am I going to have enough? 
Will there be enough? We don't have enough. And fear and scarcity almost always lead to what we call in graduate school, and they still call it social comparison. You never come out on top when you do social comparison. You, you don't usually, we, I won't say you, we don't usually compare ourselves to someone who has more than us. Uh, or sorry, we don't usually compare ourselves to somebody who has less than us. We usually compare ourselves to someone who has more than us. Oh, I wish I had a house like that, or I wish I had that job that made that much money. Now, what we are doing, this kind of crisis starts us comparing our fear, our pain, our hurt, our own suffering with others. We say mean things to ourselves like, I can't be disappointed that my practice is closed because at least I'm blessed that my partner has a job. Or I can't be scared about not paying rent because there are people out there who are homeless. Or I can't be angry about my feelings and suffering because people out there are dying. That is not how our emotions work. That emotion you are feeling isn't going to go away just because you compare yourself with someone who you don't even know or compare yourself with the ambiguity of what other people are going through. In fact, your emotion will just get worse because you know why? You are going to add shame onto that. You are going to start telling yourself how awful you are. Oh, I am such a bad person because I don't feel like I'm, shouldn't compare myself with others. Um, You know, how bad of a person am I that I feel scared when I still have a job or that I feel angry when both my spouse and I have a job. So you add shame onto that. But you know what? Having empathy with yourself creates more empathy that you can then give to others. But if you withhold empathy from yourself, you won't have it to give to others. It's like the old tried and true story of the oxygen mask, right? Whenever we are on an airplane and they go through their safety thing, they tell us, if you're with someone else or with a child, put the oxygen mask on yourself first. Save yourself first. This is what you can do with self-compassion. You are saving yourself first so that you will be able to have empathy and compassion for others. Shame is inward. You have outward versus inward, right? Shame goes in on ourselves. Shame and judgment. Like think about even shaming on the internet now, which is why lots of people are taking an internet break. Self-distance shaming. Crossing a county line in your car, shaming. We don't need that right now. We need ourselves to be compassionate with ourselves. Now, I'm not saying you can't complain. Complaining is okay, but with perspective. We need to feel our hard emotions. We're scared. We're hurting. Someone I work with the other day thought she was a little short with me, and she said what I thought was cute, Uh, She said, you know what, Uh, I'm sorry if I sound a little crabby or a little short, but I am putting that under what I'm calling my COVID bitch umbrella. I thought that was brilliant. She said, please forgive me. I'm tired. I'm sad. I'm worried. But she put it under that umbrella category right now. 
I think we also need to let our children feel it too. We, they are having hard emotions. They are scared right now. They are uncertain right now. They don't know how school is going to go or when school is going to be back in session. Or maybe they're worried about their grandparents. They need to be allowed to feel their hard emotions as well and be taught self-compassion as well. And when they see us have self-compassion for ourselves, they can be taught how to move through it more easily. So let's practice self-empathy by treating ourselves with kindness. Even if you were conditioned by your parents to be mean to yourself, to be critical of your mistakes, it's time for self-compassion now. Think about how much harder you are on yourselves than your friends. Or when you look back, you tend to remember the mistakes you've made way more than the successes you've had. The criticisms people have given you rather than the praise people have given you. Our parents maybe were afraid we would get lazy if we had self-compassion. Studies show that does not happen. Or maybe they didn't want us to get big heads and all full of ourselves. Again, studies show that that doesn't happen. When we take responsibility for forgiving and caring for ourselves, the compassion we extend to others also becomes more genuine and more available. Self-empathy enhances our confidence and inner strength and opens us up to connection and shared purpose, which is what we are going through right now. What studies are showing us or have shown us is that when we experience empathic concern or feel compassion toward others, we become the first to benefit. The problem is we can't do that unless we are self-compassionate. Empathizing with another person activates our brain salience network, enabling us to experience our compassion firsthand. In this way, compassion is beneficial for others as well as for our own well-being. It creates inner happiness independent of receiving compassion ourselves. Researchers are discovering that self-compassion is one of the most powerful sources of coping and resilience available to us. I'll say that again. Self-compassion is one of the most powerful sources of coping and resilience that is available to us. When we go through major life crises like we are right now, self-compassion appears to make all the difference in our ability to survive and even thrive. Studies suggest that it's not just what you face in life, but how you relate to yourself when the going gets tough. Are you going to have an inner ally or an inner enemy? That is what helps determine your ability to cope successfully. A study by Philippe Reyes at the University of Louvain Examine the association of self-compassion with ruminative thinking and mental health. He first assessed how participants engaged in behaviors corresponding to the main elements of self-compassion. Examples include statements like, I try to be understanding and patient towards aspects of my personality I don't like. Or when things get going badly for me, I see the difficulties as part of life that everyone goes through. 
Or when something painful happens, I try to take a balanced view of the situation. Rays found out that participants with higher levels of self-compassion tended to brood less about their misfortune. Moreover, he found that their reduced tendency to ruminate helped explain why self-compassionate participants had less anxiety and depression. Self-compassion is a way of relating to this ever-changing landscape of who we are with kindness and acceptance, especially when we fail or feel inadequate. Self-compassion is always there for us. It's a reliable source of support even when our world is crashing. It still hurts when our pride is dashed. It still hurts when we're fearful and we need to feel that. But we can be kind to ourselves precisely because it hurts. Wouldn't you say to a friend, wow, that was pretty humiliating. I'm so sorry. It's okay, though. Things like that happen. But would we be willing to say that to ourselves? Self-compassion is important in relationships, too. If I can give myself care and support, meet many of my own needs, then I will have more emotional resources available to give to my partner. Further, some of us are caregivers, and you've probably heard the phrase compassion or caregiver exhaustion. Well, a growing body of research is showing that self-compassion helps people sustain the act of caring for others. For example, it appears that counselors and therapists who are self-compassionate are less likely to experience stress and caregiver burnout. They are more satisfied with their careers and feel more energized, happy, and grateful for being able to give and make a difference in the world. In conclusion, I'd like to say that when we are tender to ourselves in response to suffering, our heart opens. Compassion engages our capacity for love, wisdom, courage, and generosity. It's a mental and emotional state that is boundless and directionless. It's grounded in the great spiritual traditions of the world. But it's available to every single person virtually just because we are a human being. In a surprising twist, the nurturing power of self-compassion is now being illuminated by matter-of-the-fact, tough-minded methods of empirical science done by researchers, and there's a growing body of research that is demonstrating that self-compassion is not only central to mental health, but can be enriched through practice, just like so many of our other good habits. So I just want to remind you, be kind to yourself. My email address is Lucas at acupuncturewoman if you would like to contact me. It's drmlucas at acupuncturewoman.com. Or my website is acupuncturewoman.com if you would like to contact me. I'll see you in another podcast soon. Take care.